you may not have all have been here last week, and that's a shame. But if you weren't here last week, we'll do a bit of review because we're going to tie it together tonight. And uh, like I said, we went long last week, so there's no way we're going to spend all the time that we did last week on the same verses. So bear with me as we speed through some of it. But John, um, we're going we're to skip straight to John 8 tonight. Last week, we talked about um, the huge thought and the huge um, truth that where you come from matters, but not in the way you think. You know, a lot of times we, um, we judge ourselves by who our family was. We judge ourselves by our culture. We judge ourselves by our natural tendencies. But those have changed. Your, your, your makeup has changed. Your life has changed. When you were born again, you were born differently. Remember Nicodemus said, you know, if I'm to be born again, does that mean I go back into my mother's womb and, and become born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 you'd be born of the spirit. And the difference is, is that, uh, you know, if you if you were just reborn and it was the same as the first time you were born, you'd have the same the same issues. You'd have the same life. You'd have the same problems. But you've been reborn from a different family. You've been reborn from a different source. And so who you are is different. You've got the same body you were born with. You probably look like your mom and dad in some way or another. And you may cringe to hear that. But, but look at baby pictures of your parents. Look at pictures of w- what age you are now. Look at your parents' pictures of when they were that age. And you go, oh, no, I'm turning into them. And uh, the truth is your body is, is, is the same. It's, it's not drastically different. Now, I know that when something changes on the inside, it works its way to the outside. So you probably uh, have a glow about you you didn't have before. You, you may have been healed of something you would have died from. But the, the, there is a definite difference. But the difference is not really out here. You still can tell where you came from. You, you didn't turn into a black person. You didn't turn into a uh, Chinese person, you know. You, you, I mean, unless you were black or Chinese. I mean... I'm just looking at whoever listens to the CD may be of those ethnic origins, but I'm not. So I didn't turn into a different different ethnicity on the outside. But on the inside, the spirit, and that's who you really are. This, this is just something you wear while you're on the earth. But who you really are completely changed. Your mind is still being renewed, but your spirit has already been renewed. And that's a huge thing. So your spirit came from a different source. In John 8... Uh, Jesus makes it very clear that it's important where you came from. It's important who you came from. We read from First John, First John last week that says, if you believe in, in Jesus, if you receive Jesus, you're born of God. And if you're born of God, you overcome the world. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And since he's overcome the world, his seed, the, the ones who, are, who came from him, they overcome because you've been designed to overcome because there's nothing in you that can't overcome. In John 8, he makes it very clear to the Pharisees that, um, that genetic lineage isn't what counts. It's, it's the faith that counts. In John 8, he says, and uh, we're going to start in verse 15. He says, you people judge according to the flesh. You judge by what you see. You judge by your genetic heritage. You judge by your class. You judge by your social standing. That's according to the flesh. He says, I'm not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it. But I 
and he who sent me. Even in your law, it's been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me bears witness of me. Now, that may seem to everybody else like he's cheating. Like to say, you know, in your law, you have to have two witnesses. Well, me and God. And you go, that's not fair. (laughs) We don't believe you're hearing from God, they might have said. But in Jesus's case, it was absolutely true. It was the best witness you could have on your side was the father. And how many people heard the father say, this is my son. But those who had a hardened heart and closed ears, what did they hear? Thunder or nothing at all. So you had to have a hearing and discerning heart to hear what God is saying. Because if you raise yourself up all your life being religious, but not ever opening your heart to to the true working of God, you'll hear thunder, but you won't hear a voice. And this is what happened to them. They They had religiously trained themselves not to hear God. It was a sad thing. But he says, even in your law, it's been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And so they were saying to him, who's your father? And Jesus answered, you, neither, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one had seized him because his hour had not yet come. He said, therefore, again to them, I go away and you shall seek me and you shall die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Therefore, the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying, you are from below. It's important where you're from. He says, you're from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Now, listen, when he says you are of this world, what does that mean? This this is not just. He's not just saying this is your home because this was his temporary home as well. But it was a temporary home. This was not his true home. This was not his true place where he fit in. You are of this world. That's why you fit into the world. I'm not of this world. I didn't come from this world. I don't belong with this world. And there's a huge difference in that. He says, the reason you think like that, you think like the world because you're from the world. He said, I said, therefore, to you that you shall die in your sins. For unless you shall believe that I am he, in other words, the Messiah, the Christ, you shall die in your sins. And so they were saying to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these things I speak to the world. They did not realize that he'd been speaking to them about the father. Jesus, therefore, said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but speak these things the father has taught me. And he who has sent me is with me. You notice how many times he's saying he sent me. That's really important. To know that he's been sent because when you're sent, you carry the authority of the one that sent you. And he says, it's important that you know, I didn't spring up from this earth. I was sent here. See, all throughout this whole chapter, throughout this whole narrative, he's explaining to you, this is not where I'm from. I don't come from here. And it took them a while to figure out what that meant. And then all of a sudden they got angry when they figured it out because they go, wait a second. He's saying he came from God. He's saying he's the son of God. I mean, that's blasphemy straight out. But unless you believe that, remember what Jesus or what first John says, unless you believe he is the son of God, unless you believe he is the Messiah, you can't be born again yourself. That's the only way to be born of God. He says this. 
He says, but I speak the things as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe him. Praise God for that. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, that means if you stay in it, if you keep in it, you make your home in it. Then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's offspring, and have you ever not, never yet been enslaved to anyone? How is it that you say we shall become free? As we talked about last week, how many times have the Israelites been enslaved? They've been enslaved to Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, if you count the separation of the tribes. Um, they've been enslaved to the Seleucid kingdom. They've been enslaved to the Greeks. They've been enslaved to the Romans right then. But yet they, they, they never thought of themselves as enslaved. He said, we're Abraham's descendants. How can you say we would become free? Then he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Why? Because you'll be a son too. See, if you'll let the son make you free, he brings you into the house as a son, not as a slave anymore. He says the slave can get kicked out of the house at any time. What you don't realize, my friends, as he speaks to them, what you guys don't realize is you've been living in the house of slaves because you've still been in the sin that you've done. I've let you stay because of your heritage, because of my covenant with you, you've been in here. But I'm giving you an offer to not just be slaves in the house anymore, not just be children in the house anymore under a tutor, but to be sons and daughters of the living God. To carry the the rights that he carried. Now he says this, I know you are Abraham's offspring, Yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you've heard from your father. So it begins now, right? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you're Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You were doing the deeds of your father. Do you hear this? He's saying, you guys have thought this whole time that what really mattered was your bloodline. But I'm going to tell you, unless you do the deeds of Abraham, you're not sons of Abraham. Unless you have the faith of Abraham, you're not the son of Abraham you think you are. He says, if you're Abraham's kids, do what Abraham would do. What do you think Abraham would do? He'd believe in Jesus, right? Jesus said he did believe in me, which blew their minds. And we'll read that in a second, because he said, he said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And they go, you're not even he's not even 50. Because if he had been 51, then I could believe it. (laughs) That Abraham who lived thousands of years ago might have seen you, but you're below 50. That couldn't have happened. He says he's not yet 50. How could he? Be, how could Abraham have ever met this guy? He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. But I'm skipping ahead. He said, they said to him, we are not born of fornication. You see, now they're, they're getting into the where we came from debate. And they're accusing Jesus of being born of fornication because I don't believe in a virgin birth, they're saying. Virgin birth, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, right. We all know that Mary must have been doing something she wasn't supposed to do. See, they too realize this. It matters where you came from. But see, they're going to judge according to the flesh. What did he say at the very beginning? Your problem is you judge according to the flesh. They still think they can smear him by saying, 
your fleshly heritage is not so good. We're not born of fornication. And we have one father, even God. As Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Do you see this? If Abraham were your father, you would believe. If God were your father, you would love me. Don't you see it matters who your father is. It matters where you came from. It matters who you call your family. It matters. Your, her- your heritage matters. Your DNA matters. Your genetic makeup matters. But it's not the physical genetic makeup we're talking about. It's your spiritual DNA. It's your spiritual genetics. Those are the things that matter. Where did you really come from? Because he said, if God were your father, you'd love me. Now you say, well, how does that affect me right now? 2011. Don't you think that it affects you in every single thing you do? That you can say, if God is my father, this is how I react. If God is my father, this is how I make my decisions. If God is my father, this is how I love. If God is my father, this is how I forgive. If God is my father, this is who I am. But if you judge yourself according to the flesh, you say, I don't know, my parents were shy, I'm shy. I'll always be shy. Or you say, My parents were weak, and I've always had weak hearts in my family. Why not me, too? Or you might say, oh, I'm from a proud line of Irish people. I lose my temper, but that's just who I am. Is it? Because that's judging according to the flesh. But he says, if God were your father, you would love me. How How do you say that today? If God is your father... Life will be different because you're going to act like he acts. You're going to have his characteristics, his traits. Like I said last week, I don't have to try to, to pretend to be my, I don't, have to, I don't know how to do a David Bounds impression, but somehow I accidentally do it all the time because David Bounds was my father. And whether I, I actively try to do it or not, I'm going to look like him at times I don't intend to look like him. I'm going to use the same facial expression. I'm going to use my hands the same way. And, and I could try and, and really concentrate on not doing that, but it would be a failed attempt because you're going to look like your parents. So when you're born of God, how do you look? What are the unnatural instincts that you've inherited that you don't even know? You see, we try all our life to be like God. I want to be more like you. And that's a noble cause. He says, imitate me as, as a child imitates his father. But guess what? There is an imitation that's got to take place, but it's going to get to a point, guys, where you're going to do it naturally. If you'll, if you'll immerse yourself in who your father is, if you'll know that's who you are, if you'll, if you'll know that's where you came from, if you'll immerse yourself in his presence by spending time with him and, and, and learning from his word and letting that impact you on the inside, more you do that, the more who you really are comes out, it bleeds out into what you think you are and what you act like. And all of a sudden, without even thinking about it, people go, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Jesus. And he says this. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. It matters where you come from. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. See how many times he says this? Sometime go back and count how many times he said, I came forth, I was sent. How many times? If it weren't important, Jesus would not say it every other sentence. He said, why do you not understand what I am saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. 
He just called it like it was. He said, you're of your father, the devil. You see, Jesus, remember, he's not judging according to the flesh. I don't care if your dad was Joseph. I don't care if your dad was Judah. I don't care if your dad was Mickey Mouse. It doesn't matter. At this point, you're either of your father God or your father the devil. He's judging by the spirit because that's what really matters. He says, you're of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. Now flip that around. As a child of God, what should I des- our desires be like? Like our fathers, right? If, if their desire was to do the desires of their father, then as a, if we're of the different heritage, our desires should be the desires of our father. You inherit that desire. He says this, you do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. What does that make you? A murderer. Now you say, that's not fair. You can't judge me by my father. Yeah, but they, they didn't, he's not judging them by who they were born to. You can't control that. And that's why as believers, you receive somebody, it doesn't matter who their family was, it doesn't matter who their background was, you can't control who your family is. You were born into it. But they can control who they believe in. They can control who they follow. And they chose to make the devil their true father. Why? By rejecting the true son. By rejecting God as their father, you only have another choice. He says, you're of your father the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. You see that? The devil doesn't have to try to lie. It's not hard for the devil to lie. He doesn't have to wake up in the morning and go, I should lie more. He speaks from his own nature. You guys remember that old, uh, you know, tale or uh, fable about the uh, scorpion and the frog? How the frog, does anybody remember this story? How the frog says, give me, uh, sorry, the scorpion says, give me a ride across that river. And the frog says, no, you'll sting me. Scorpion says, why would I sting you? If I sting you, we both go down. We both drown. That doesn't help me. Frog says, oh, you got a point there. Okay, promise not to sting me. Scorpion's like, come on, man. I don't want to die. I won't sting you. Gets halfway across the river, and the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog goes, why did you do that? We're both going to die. And the scorpion says, I can't help it. It's in my nature. I'm a scorpion. It's what I do. That's the way the devil is. He says he, Jesus says he lies because it's his nature. Now flip that around. Why did Jesus tell the truth? Because he came from the father of truth. He came from the spirit of truth. It was his nature to tell the truth. Now ask yourself, what's easier for me to do, to lie or to tell the truth? I'm not telling you you're of your father the devil. If you, if you, I'm telling you, though, that your flesh is going to be redeemed someday. You're going to get a new body. Right now, your flesh and your mind have been born into a world under the curse Your spirit was redeemed, set free from that curse. And if your spirit calls the shots, your your body, your mind get to enjoy the fruits of a renewed life. But if you let your body, your body still sometimes wants the things it used to want. Your mind has to be renewed to the word of God so that now you begin to think differently. Now, all of that, thank God, God delivers you. He sets you free from that. I've known people that were set free from addictions in a day. That was a miracle. And that's a miracle you can expect and hope for. What I'm saying is, you didn't get born again and then had no desire for the rest of your life ever to do a thing wrong, did you? 
No, why? Because your mind still has old habits and thoughts and, and, and trenches that you've dug for years and years and years. Your body still has cravings. And there's things, you know, you're tired, you'd rather sleep than go to church. That happens. But if your spirit calls the shots, you go, I don't care what you feel like, we're going. Your spirit is the one that wants to do what God wants. Why? Because that's its nature. Now, think about it. Before you got born again, your spirit was not the good guy in the story. Your spirit wasn't any better than the rest of it. You were dead. There might have been a spirit that on some level wanted God, might have desired God on some level, but the truth of the matter is you didn't desire righteousness because you were dead. You were dead. You weren't alive to God yet. But now you are. And once you got born again, it's instinct, it's natural nature. The, the, the knee-jerk response is to do the desires of the Father, is to tell the truth, is to be like God. Now he says this, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar, the father of all lies. But because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth... Why do you not believe me? He who is of God, hears the words of God. Listen, he, what do he say? He who is of God. What does that mean if you're of God? You came from him. That's your heritage. That's, that's where you, that's where you come, come from. He who is of God, hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. The Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Once again, not only is this playground antics, this is also uh, systematically tearing apart who he is. See, he didn't take the bait when we said, uh, you're, you're a son of an adulterous, loose woman. But maybe he'll take the bait when we say, you want to talk about who your father is? You're a Samaritan. That's where you come from. Which we, we go, so who cares, right? Aren't the Samaritans pretty similar? To them... Okay, I want you to think, just inside your brain, don't say it out loud, think of a cult. And he's somebody that might use the name of Jesus every now and then, and there's a few of these. They might use the name of Jesus, but you know straight out they're a cult, right? They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, maybe, or they don't believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. They'll throw his name around, but they don't really believe it. Think of a cult. That's the Samaritans. They're the group of people that had used some of the same terminology, but were wrong. So the Jews thought they are a dangerous cult and uh, stay away from them. And he says, so they said, do we not rightly say that you, have a, you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I don't know what they expect him to say. Yeah, you're right. But he didn't. He says, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now we're going to stop here. Um, because later on he did say, you know, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. But like I said, we talked about that last week. We're just trying to review. In uh, John 17, we'll review a little bit there. It's so important that you see this, because Jesus lays out his whole life mission before the Father. And he says this. In John 17, verse 1, he says, These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all mankind, 
to all that you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you see that again? I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now glorify you, and sorry, glorify me together with yourself, Father, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know everything that you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them, and they have received them. And truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. Hold on, hang on to that for a minute. He says, for the words which you gave me. Everything Jesus said was something the Father gave him, right? He didn't come up with his own sermons. He didn't make up his own things to say. He says, everything that you gave me to say, they received them. Now, you guys, when you receive something, is that temporary? Now, when you receive it, do you have it? Yeah. So if he gave you his, if God gave him those words and he gave you those words, if you receive them, whose are they? They're yours now. Now, they're still his, but they're yours as well, right? When I give you a present, I say, I gave, them, I, gave, I gave Tia a bicycle and she received it. Then you don't assume that I took it back the next day or that she just rode it for a day. If we gave her a bicycle, it's her bicycle. When God gave him, God gave Jesus those words to say, the words that woke Lazarus up, the words that gave life, the words that brought resurrection, the words that healed the sick, the words that set people free. And he gave them to you. Now, they could have bounced off like in the parable of the sower where he throws it on the hard ground. It goes onto the road. The birds steal it. Or it could have gone to the rocky ground. It doesn't put down roots. It goes away. Could have gone in the thorny ground. They get too busy. It gets crowded. It dies. But if it went into good soil, it's yours. And it bears fruit. And fruit bears even more seed. So here it says in the next verse, verse 9. says that they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you did send me. I ask on their behalf. I don't ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. And I've been glorified in them and I am no more in the world and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you've given to me that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given to me. And I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that was Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. Remember that? You gave me your word, now I gave them your word. So how do you use that word? What what do you do with it? You use the same way that Jesus used it, right? Should you react differently to that gift than he did? The father gave him the words to say. He went out and he said them. He went in and out and he used the authority God had given him. Should you act any differently? You've got the same words, same spirit. Is there any difference? No. Now we know Jesus is the firstborn. We know Jesus is the son of God. He is our king. He is our chief shepherd. He is the one we do everything through. So we're not replacing Jesus. We are simply letting Jesus be Jesus through us. And that's cool, right? So he gave us his word. 
And he says, He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We talked about that last week. Isn't that a huge verse? He says, they're not of the world in the same way that I'm not of the world. Remember, we talked about last week, if he says, even as, that means in the same way, exactly the same. So they're no more of the world than I'm of the world. They're no more part of the system than I'm part of the system. They're no more, that's no more their heritage than it is my heritage. The scripture says we don't judge ourselves after the flesh. We said we used to judge Christ after the flesh, but we don't know him that way any longer. So in the same way, if we're going to believe Jesus is the son of God, and we're not going to just believe he's a great teacher, some hippie that went around telling people love one another, and, you know, just whatever, man, peace. If we, don't, if we believe he actually was a son of God, setting people free, delivering the captives, healing the sick, came from God, went back up to God. If that's who we believe he is, then you've got to think differently about yourself because he says, you're no more of the world than I was. You're just as much an alien as I'm an alien. You're just as much a freak as I'm a freak. If I don't fit in, you don't fit in. That's a good thing. Next verse in verse 15. He says this. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. And we know Jesus gets his prayers answered, right? So you know, the Father is the one that keeps you from the evil one. If you'll put your faith in Jesus, you'll get the benefit of this prayer. This prayer still is doing the work in lives today. This prayer did not have an expiration date of 70 years. This prayer is still working. He asked the Father to keep you from the evil one. The Father will keep his end of the deal. He says this. Keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He said it in the same way. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you did send me in the world, I have also sent them into the world. Now he says it. Remember that as is the same way. In the same way that you sent me, that's the way I sent them. When you were born again, you were sent. Think about it. You were born again, you were resent into the world as a missionary to the world. That's who you are. You're an ambassador to this world. You're not from here. You're not a native of this planet. I know that sounds weird. People, you know, if you just came in, just tuned into it right now, you'd be like, freaky stuff. Okay, they're Scientologists. I'm leaving, right? We're, the mothership's coming back. Now, trust me, I know you were born somewhere around here probably. Maybe you are born in another country. I was born in Metal Lake, Saskatchewan. That hasn't changed, but my spirit has been reborn. And my spirit, which is of this world, is no longer of this world. And if I believe that that's who I really am, I got to say, I wasn't born here. Now, that doesn't freak too many people out, but it shouldn't freak us out. We are not from here. You might naturally be from here, but I don't judge you according to that. I don't care what side of the tracks you're born from. I know you were born of God. You came from him. And in the same way that God sent Jesus, that's the way that Jesus sent you. So you got to go with the same sort of authority, the same sort of boldness, the same swagger that Jesus had because you didn't come from here. You're not indigenous to this planet. He says. 
I'm wondering where I left off there, verse 20. He says, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that's us, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, that the world may, be belie- may believe that you did send me. Listen, he said, even as, even as you're in me, and I'm in you, that they would be in us the same way. The same fellowship Jesus had is the fellowship he offers you. And the glory which you've given me, I have given to them. Wow. That they may be one, just as we are one. One with who? One with each other and one with him. Because if you're not one with him, you can't be one with each other. It just won't work. We can pretend for a long time, sing the same songs, try to dress the same, but it won't work. Unless you're united with him, this isn't going to work. Right? He says, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. That sounds like a nice song. That the world may know that you did send me and you loved and did love them, even as you loved me. In the same way you loved me, you loved them. That's huge, right? Knowing your love changes things, doesn't it? When a woman knows she's loved, she reacts differently to the world. When a man knows he's loved, he reacts differently to the world. doesn't matter what your gender is, what your background is. If you know you're loved, you act different. You approach problems differently. And I've known quite a few people that grew up not knowing they were loved. And they face every circumstance with the same fear and intimidation because they don't know that anybody's got their back. You can now know I am loved just as much as God loved Jesus. You see, that's the question, isn't it? You go, God loves me, but does he love me as much as that guy? I don't know. Does, does God love Jesus as much as he loves that guy? Oh, he loves Jesus more. No, he doesn't. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Huge, huge. Why? Because his love for you is not based on you. God's love comes from him. He does not need to feed off your actions to give him more love. That's the world's idea of love, right? I love you because you do this for me. I love you because this is what you offer me. I love you because you've always been there. I love you because you make me feel like a princess. I love you all. Yeah, I love you because of what you do. But God says, I love you because of who I am. I love you because I am love. So God is not reacting to you in how he loves you. He is reacting to himself. So Jesus says, you love them. So don't take my word for, for it because that's just a theory. Take Jesus' word when he says, you love them as much as you love me. In the same way you love me, you love them. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory, which you've given me. For you did love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And they have known that you did send me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known. And the love where you did send me may be in them, and I in them. Isn't that great? Jesus is not just teaching us how to love. He's giving us his love. He's loving through us. That's a big thought. And we want to go to Isaiah 51. You know, it's funny as I'm thinking of it. Most of this sermon is, is, is a lot of what we covered last week. But I believe God's bringing it out in a different way. This is how you've got to react to life. You've got to react. And you've got to not just react, but, but go through life knowing it matters 
I come from something. I've been cut out for this. Isaiah 51. And we're going to start right in verse 1. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. So who's listening tonight? Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a good test. Are you listening? Well, you're not pursuing righteousness. No. All right. We're all listening, right? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. Now, who's talking? You, know, you might say he's using the mouth of Isaiah, but who's really talking? God's talking, right? So he says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. Now, why would those who pursue righteousness need to listen? Because if you're pursuing it, he's going to tell you how to get there, right? That's why you're listening. It's kind of like saying, listen to me, all you who are looking for Brent Beyer. You would assume that what I'm about to say will tell you where Brent is. Now, listen to me, all you who are looking for Brent Beyer. There's a sale at Safeway, and you really need to. No, I mean, you're expecting that that's, I'm leading off with that because I'm going to tell you how to find him. He says, listen to you, all who, pers- listen to me, all you who pursue righteousness, because I'm going to tell you how to get there. He says this, look, he says, who, seek, who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Those are the things you're seeking. You're seeking righteousness and you're seeking the Lord, which Jesus said, everything else comes after that. He says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Now, hewn means that was what you were cut out of. And to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Now, we're going to stop here for a second because or we'll stop here because the rest of the chapter is beautiful, is amazing and is awesome. But but I just want to focus on that that. Brief few verses. Where he says, look to the rock you were hewn from, look to the rock you got cut out of. Now, if you're cut out of that rock, what are you made of? Same stuff as the rock, right? There's a, there's a monument in Washington, D.C. I love seeing the monuments in, in Washington, D.C. Ottawa's got some nice ones, too. But Washington, D.C. has a ton of monuments. And one of the newest ones that just opened last month, opened a few weeks ago, is a Martin Luther King monument. Now, there's some people upset about it, not because it's Martin Luther King, but because in trying to make it work, they cut one of his quotes short, and it kind of changes the meaning. But it's still a beautiful monument. And what's really cool about it is when you come up to the monument, there he's standing out. And it's this big, big boulder, right? And out of the, it, it just carved out of the front of the boulder is Martin Luther King's, King Jr., his image. But if you look at it, if you go further back, there's an entranceway to that mo- part of the monument that's got the sides of the rock that this rock was cut out from. You can tell it fits into that rock. Like it's one huge boulder that they cut it straight down both sides, brought it out, and then carved an image of Martin Luther King. So it it really is cool because without even having to say anything, you kind of feel like he was cut from that rock, right? And so that totally, when I, when I read this verse, I picture something like that. Somebody who so obviously is not from a different material. This is your material. This is who you are. He says, look to the rock that you were cut out from. He says, look to the quarry. Now, quarries where they, you know, that's where you get precious stones, marble or certain types of granite or rock, you know, that you get it from a quarry. He says, look to the quarry from which you were dug. Because... 
If you look there, you'll find what you're made of. I mean, this is, this is life for us. This is, this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for us is saying, what am I made of? Because everything in life is going to test what you're made of. Everything in life is going to ask you what you're made of. And you better have the answer because if your answer is, well, here's what my family history is and here, here's what I've always acted like, here's my education, that, that's not what I'm asking. What are you made of? And he says, look to Abraham, your father. Now, notice Jesus identifies two fathers that they should have had. He said, your father Abraham, which means you should have had the same faith as him. And your father God, which you would have had the same desires, the same love, the same truth as he had. And he's looking back and he says, look, at, you come from this stock, Abraham. Now, we're, we're all in this room. I don't, I don't see too many... Full-blooded Jewish people. So you might say, Abraham's not my real great-great-great-great-grandfather. Although you probably have him in there somewhere. That's not what he's asking. Because remember, Abraham was not the father of one nation. He was the father of many nations. You got reborn into that family. And, I mean, read the book of Romans for, for background on that. Clearly, Abraham was a father by faith. That was the difference between Ishmael and Isaac, right? Because the sons of Ishmael couldn't call Abraham their father. The reason the sons of Isaac could call Abraham their father is because it was a spiritual descendant. It was a son of the covenant. It was a covenant that they inherited. Not just a bloodline, not just genetics, not just a funny nose, but a covenant. I'm not saying Abraham had a funny nose. I don't know what his nose looked like. I just pulled that out of the air. So I don't want you to think, does everybody, no, this is not, it's just random, okay? That's all right. So you didn't inherit any of that. It, it, he's a father of many nations, and all that believe are of that same family, have been adopted into that family, grafted in. And when you were adopted, like we said last week, we always hear adopted, and we think of some kid who's adopted, and we think of them as, yeah, they're in that family, but they're obviously not from that family. They look different. Their, their dad didn't have any athletic ability at all. Look at them. They're, they're, they're sprinting. They're, they're doing pole vault. Parents are five foot four, kids six foot one. Yeah, adopted, but not really of that family. That's not when you were adopted. You, you were not adopted by a 10-year-old coming into a pre-established family, you were adopted by radical rebirth. Now, there is no adoption agency on this planet that can do that. <laughs> we are going to uh, assign you to a family. One thing, though, you're going to have to be reborn. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go back into the womb and come out again so that you can really be a part of their family. There's nobody that can do that, right? Some of you are going, is that, does that exist? That does not exist. Could not work. So, as believers, that's what happened to us, though. We were not just this, you know, weird little stepkid that came in and said, I don't feel like I fit into this family. No, you were reborn into it. That is your only family now. You don't have two families. You only have one. You're not going to get to be 15 years old and then go look for your biological father. God is your father. He's your only father. And so this is life for us. That we go through life looking back to where we came from. And you know you have all of these phrases that, that harken back to that. What are you made of? 
Are you cut out for this? You are. What am I made of? The world's going to test what you're made of. Now your spirit is made of the same rock that Abraham came out of. The spirit is made from the same rock that Jesus sprung out of. The same rock that is God. That's what you're made of. Your flesh carries the same attributes as your mom and dad. But your spirit carries the attributes of God. So who's going to call the shots? Because if you live by the flesh, you cannot call Abraham your father. You cannot call God your father. If you live by the flesh, you will experience your fleshly genetic results. But if you live by the spirit, if you live by the Spirit, you let the Spirit call the shots. You let the Spirit rule. You let the Spirit inform your emotions. You let the Spirit inform your mouth. You let your Spirit inform all of your life. You have that nature. That's your new nature. So, I've noticed something. I've met probably 5% of everyone that's ever stood up to preach, considered themselves unable to do it when they first were called. Like 5%, sorry, I'm sorry, like 95%. There's been 5% who thought they could do it. (laughs) 5% who goes, I've been finally waiting for somebody to ask me to preach. There's like 95%, even the ones who are eager, that look at that pulpit and go, (gasps) and you know, I was I was in the same boat. <laughs> you know how many preachers go, I only had um I only had a week notice. I only had 2 days notice. I only had 5 minutes notice. You know, I mean they, they try to try to explain why this I mean right off the bat why this isn't going to be as good as it could be. Why? Because, you know, in the natural, you may think, you may look at all these people and go, well, of course they're getting up and preaching. Of course they are. They're just cut out for it. You don't know the reason they're cut out for it is because of the spirit, not because of the natural nature. Boy, I, I, I'm comfortable preaching now. But I, in my nature, in my background, was a very, very non-outgoing kid. To this day, if I let my flesh rule, I don't go and introduce myself to people. Do you know that? It sounds weird because I'm talking all the time. Truth of the matter is, no, it's not my first instinct in the flesh, but it is my spiritual instinct. And the more I let the Spirit rule, the more confident I can become and step up and go, this is who I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. You can do the same thing. You've got to judge yourself by the Spirit. Because whatever God's asked you to do, I guarantee you're unqualified for it. But He's not unqualified for it. And your spirit has been qualified through Jesus Christ. And you've got to say, what am I made of? What am I made of? The next time something comes up, the next time opportunities come up, the next time adversity comes up, you say, what am I made of? You look back. How do you know? What did God say? He didn't say, look at yourself. In Isaiah 51, he didn't say, look at yourself and figure out what kind of rock you are. Did he? He said, look to the rock that you came from. Because if you can find out where you came from, you can tell who you are. So, who did you come from? You came from God. And 
The one who is born of God overcomes the world. The one who is born of God loves like God loves. The one who is born of God believes. The one who is born of God knows the truth. The one who is born of God does the things that the Father tells him to do. The one who is born of God, you know, doing the things that the Father tells you to do is not just about obedience, it's about ability. Right? If your father tells you to go invent a jetpack, it's not just about being an obedient son, it's about having the know-how to make a jetpack. Now maybe Brent can make a jetpack, but I can't. So I would say, well, I'm trying to be obedient, but I don't have the ability. But now we know that everything God tells us to do, everything God speaks to our heart, you can do it because that's what you're made of. The scripture says you were designed for good works. Now, good works is not just doing what Angelina Jolie does for kids in Africa. Good works is doing what Jesus did. Remember, he said, if you don't believe in me because of my words, at least believe because of the works. What were the works that he did? It wasn't just feeding the poor, although that was one of them. It was healing them. It was forgiving them. It was setting them free. It was raising the dead. It was a lot more. It was blessing bread and feeding a bunch of people when you only had a basket full of things to feed them with. So everything that God's ever said to you, everything he's ever said to you, you're cut out for it. You're made of the right stuff. I'm not saying that to be some inspirational speaker. I'm not really big into inspirational speakers. I am big into encouraging by the word of God. I'm not just trying to encourage you with some fluff. I'm telling you the truth. You're made up for this. You're cut out for this. You've been designed for this. Custom designed for whatever God called you to do. Custom designed. That means that no one fits your role like you fit it. That means there's nothing else in the world that you could do that you'd be better at than this. This is what you were made for. This is what you were custom designed for. Isn't that great? Because when we judge ourselves by the flesh, we go, we feel like we're wearing somebody else's clothes. Saddest thing is, and we'll close up in a second. The saddest thing is when I see people coming to the church and I see them reacting and, and they're always uncomfortable because they always feel like this isn't really who I am and I'm having to be somebody I'm not. They get up and preach and try to, try to be like somebody else. You know what? You were custom made for what God called you for. Now, you don't have to go and be who you always were because, you know, there's a good chance you've always been. You know, you've still been reacting to who you were in the flesh. You, You still said, this is who I am. This is my identity. Let your identity change. Instead of looking at yourself, look where you came from. Look back, do the family tree and say, this is where I come from. These are my people. This is my tribe. This is my daddy. And when you know that, there's nothing you're afraid of. When you know that, nothing else fits. You don't fit into anything else. There is one rock that I can slide you back into, and that's the rock of God. So you're cut out for this. You're made for this. Stand up and be strong about it. Stand up and be brave. Stand up and be bold. And don't get intimidated. Don't get scared and don't get weak and don't get fearful by saying, I just don't know. This is getting too hard. I'm not cut out for it. You absolutely are. Amen. Would you stand up? God bless you. Praise God. The Lord is good. He is so good. Well, if the Lord is good and you're you're his child, then what does that make you? Good. Because of him, right? 
That's your nature. There's a great verse in the New Testament that says, as God is faithful, so our answer is yes, and, and not yes and no, but if it's yes, it's yes. What does that mean? He says, if God is faithful, we're faithful. If God keeps his word, we can keep our word. You know, I said to you at the beginning of the service, I can't always keep my word. I want to adjust that statement. I can through Jesus. I can through him. Because every weakness I've ever brought to the table, he's replaced with strength. His strength. The moment I step out of that, I become weak again. But if I will abide in him and abide in his word and let him be the force in my life, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Thank God. I want us just to reflect on the word tonight. There are, there are two stages to the word. There's the giving of the word, the preaching, the sowing of the word, and there's receiving of the word, right? So all through this whole time, you've been receiving of the word. Now I want us to reflect and really let it sink in. We're not going to be stony ground. We want to be the kind of ground that the word sinks into deep. Do you know what that means? The rocky ground that Jesus talked about, the seed only went to the surface. Didn't put roots down. Do you know where the roots show up? They show up in your life in every area you don't expect to find God. Your roots go down to the deepest parts of you. Your roots go to your, it goes in and it touches your job. It goes in and touches your family. It goes in and it touches every little part of you that you didn't think God had a key to. Can we let that happen right now? Now I realize that's going to happen throughout the week, throughout the year, throughout your life. But right now, let's just let that happen. I want, I want you to let God speak to your heart. I want you to let God cause his word to target you in areas. What I want you to do is to apply what you just heard from the spirit of God to areas that you didn't think of applying it to. I want you to apply it to every area you've ever been intimidated in, every area you feel weak, every area you feel inadequate, every area you feel like you don't fit, every area that things just haven't been going the way you thought. And I want you to say inside yourself, I want you to see, am I made for this? Am I cut out for this? Because if we let the word seek deep down, we will act like our father. We will love like our father. We will desire because that is our nature. You have a new nature. The supernatural has become the natural in your life. God, speak to us. We invite you to reach deep down and touch areas that have been untouched. We invite you to open the door and invade areas of our life that we've previously reserved for our own judgment. We've previously reserved for our own good wisdom, but we are going to let you into those areas. We're going to let you into those places. Now, some of you may have people in your life that love you very much, but have known you for so long that they only know you after the flesh. I want you to forgive them, and I want you to lovingly disregard their opinion. It may be a spouse. It may be, a, it may be parents. I don't know how many youth I saw get on fire for God and get talked out of it by their own parents who said, this isn't you. You'll get over it. 
I know you, you get into phases. You have got to know what God says about you above all else. Those people, even if they love you, they can be wrong. You're cut out for this, guys. Oh, you're cut out for this. Now, God, just, just reach down in there and dig out those words. God, we just, we're going to let you just dig out those, those judgments. Dig out, you, dig out those false identity issues that we've had. Dig out those issues that we thought we just got rid of but are still affecting our life. Dig out those words that limited us to, to our fleshly existence. God, we are going to let those, just dig them out right now, Lord. Do surgery and take them out. You are a minister of God. You are a son, a daughter of the king. You are, a, you are exactly who he says you are. You are cut out for this. You are made for this. You are a truthful person. You are naturally a truth teller. You are naturally a lover. You are naturally unselfish. You are naturally brave. You are naturally bold. You are naturally strong. You are naturally smart and intelligent. Why? Because that's who you came from. He became your wisdom. Oh, Some of you were told at a very young age you weren't as bright as everyone else. That's not the truth. That may have been a small fact at one part of your life, but it's not the truth. The truth is, He is our wisdom. His wisdom is greater than the wisdom of men. Praise God. Some of you have been told that you don't hear from God. Don't believe that lie. The Lord wants to speak to every single one of His kids. These, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you've received the Spirit of God, He says the Spirit will tell you all things. So no one in this room can say other people hear from God, but I don't. If you'll listen, if you'll open your ears, you'll hear from God. Uproot these things, God. Uproot them in us. Uproot them in us. I want to just pray real briefly for any of you that have been battling, if you have been battling this, this crippling, I know it can be crippling because I've been there, this crippling intimidation, just a shyness that you just, I know, I know the people I've got to reach. I know, and I mean, guys, if you let it, you know what happens? Satan is a, is a stupid but wily old fox. Do you know what he does? He'll tell you that you're too shy so you shouldn't do it. You're too fearful so you shouldn't do it. And then when you don't do it, he'll turn around and condemn you for it. And it's a cycle that you go around and around and around. And, and I know it because I've been there. And I've let him lie to me before. And I felt guilty because of all the opportunities I missed. And so the next time, if I let that guilt rule me, it further cripples me. Let it go. Let every guilt for every op- missed opportunity, let it go right now. We start today. If you've been shy, you've been fearful, but you know that's not who you are, you know that, that God has called me to something and I'm through with being intimidated, I'm through with being uh, timid, 
I am going to be bold like a lion, then I want you to come forward. I'm just going to pray right now. We'll pray for you. Sometimes you've got to be bold to come to the front, don't you? Can I tell you there's nothing wrong with you? There's nothing you're facing that, not every, that, that a bunch of other people haven't faced. You're not alone in this. And God's word to you is that His power is perfected in your weakness. Praise God. You don't have to be ashamed of your weakness. You just have to know His power is, is, is meant to be perfected. His power is meant to step in where you're weak. He is strong. So if that's a weakness in your life, don't be embarrassed to admit it's been a weakness, but be bold right now and say, aha, His strength takes the place of my weakness. His strength takes the place of my weakness. Stretch out your hands to these people, these wonderful people of God. Thank God you've got something to say. He gave His words to you. He gave His words to you. You've got something to say. You are made for this. You're cut out for this. You come from some of the best speakers, from some of the best prayers. You come from, some, you come from God who created you for this task. You have been custom designed, custom built for it. Now receive the ministry given to you. In the name of Jesus, as I stretch my hands out to these people, I speak strength to them. I speak boldness. I speak courage to them. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and of great courage. For the Lord your God is with you. Now, God, may you fill their spines with steel, with the strength that comes from knowing that I don't walk alone. I am never alone, for he who sent me is always with me. You don't stand alone. You don't stand uh, as, as you used to stand. You are from God. You are with God. He stands with you. He stands for you. Right now, Lord, I speak your, your boldness to come on them. The wicked may flee when no one's chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as lions. Be bold and be strong in Jesus' name. For the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Know this, the Lord is with you. Thank God. Thank God. Now thank Him. Receive it. Just thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm bold. I'm strong. I am bold because He's bold. I'm strong because He's strong. I don't have to be afraid because perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given me the spirit of intimidation. He's not given me the spirit of timidity. He's given me a spirit of love. He's given me the spirit of power. He's given me a spirit of a disciplined mind. That mind that doesn't go in a thousand different directions. Constantly wondering what everybody's saying. Constantly wondering what everybody's thinking. No, 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 no. You've been given a spirit of a sound, disciplined, controlled mind. You've been given a spirit of love that tells you to go. And a spirit of power that gives you the power to go. Those are the spirit. That's the spirit you've been given. That's what you have. That's who you are. And never believe anything else. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your strength. Where we were weak, you are strong. You are strong, so we're strong. Thank you, Jesus. We're no longer the weak. We are the strong through Jesus. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. You're so good. Your faithfulness endures forever. Amen. God is able and God is faithful, isn't he? Remember, what does it say? Faithful is he who called you. And he will bring it to pass. Faithful, he's going to keep his word. He's going to keep his word to you. Whatever he's told you, he'll keep his word. Sometimes we just put it in the perspective. We say, I got to keep my word to God. He called me to this and I got to keep my word to him. Yeah, the bigger deal is he'll keep his word. About his own call, he'll keep his word. You'll let him do it, he'll do it. Amen. God bless you. Love you very much.